Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 462 on Tuesday, the 22nd of March, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be astonished that the government isn't removing an EV grant for a change. We'll learn that one monster has been driven from our shores, and we are reminded how nuts the 90s were at times. But first... No, 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 but first, we're straight into the news. No follow-up. Yeah, we are. Yeah, there's, there is no fault. I did kind of wonder where you were going. Yeah, no, I wasn't going anywhere. That was the problem. Uh, right. Mm. So this is the the news that the UK government has actually extended a grant scheme for an electric vehicle, and this is for vans and trucks. Um, they have made it very clear that they are putting the money or ensuring that the money is still available for sectors and areas of the motoring world that have not taken up as many electric vehicles as they were hoping yet, even though they have tweaked how much they're giving and to what vehicles they will give that money to. They're, they're moving it up from the smallest vans, essentially, the thresholds are shifting a little bit, but but they're still pretty generous grants. But your options aren't great, are they, yet? The options aren't great. And as well as that, if you if if you can find an option that suits you, can you actually get hold of it? I mean, I think you extend it by two years purely because that's how long it's going to take to get one if you try and order it now. Yeah, I think so. It's generally a, a good good news, everyone. Good yes, for a, cha- for a change, they they have seemingly listened to industry and to buyers and to what is a sensible move. Mm-hmm. But let's applaud that that rare nay freak occurrence. <laughs> I know. And whilst there has been mutters about a cut to fuel duty, uh, you'll notice just how um, quickly that is progressing um, in, in, in the street and at the pumps. Uh, un- unlike France, because, of course, in France there is a presidential election coming up very soon. So <laughs> things, things happening a little bit quicker. I wonder why. Anyway, speaking of energy, the International Energy Agency, which is an agency that uh, looks at how we all use, create energy, has come out with a 10-point plan to reduce global oil demand. Basically, it means use less. That sums it up. But it is heavily weighed on, in this article from The Guardian, it's heavily weighed on vehicles, though, which, I mean, I have a few queries with a couple of their suggestions. Yes. I mean, some of them are, well, most of them are, bleeding obvious to be there is a lot of statements of the bleeding obvious but to be fair there's a lot of times it does need to be repeated and one of them make public transport cheaper and incentivize walking and cycling is one that i can't really can't really argue with no at all i don't know is it worth zipping through them i think we could just quickly mention them yeah. yeah so reducing speed limits on highways by at least 10 kilometers an hour that'll be a favorite one because you can you can then obviously make money from that from all the speeding fines. And also shout safety. Yes, yes, yes. That's another favourite. Uh, you can work from home up to three days a week where possible. You could have car-free Sundays in cities. Fair enough. You could make public transport cheaper and incentivize walking and cycling. Yes. Alternate private car access to roads in large cities, e.g. every other day. Whatever. Just sort of sounds like a mess. Uh, you can increase car sharing and adopt practices to reduce fuel use. No. Promote efficient driving for freight trucks and delivery of goods well i think if anybody isn't doing that already um you know one of the big things if you are running truck fleets and stuff is economy because fuel is such a massive cost to you so people are trying to do that already but that that would be interesting to see how that lines up against the 
in inverted commas, algorithms that the likes of, say, Amazon use for deliveries, mm. because those drivers have incredibly tight targets of you must be at this next place by this time. Well, yes. And that, whether that, they could it, eke in a 10% or something to get people to drive a little bit more relaxed. A little bit more steadily, I think, in the case well, of yeah. many delivery drivers. Yeah. Not just Amazon, by the way. Yeah, just, yes, just, I was just using that as an example. I'm like that DPD van screeching off the limiters and stuff. Mm. <laughs> Use high, high speed and night trains instead of planes. Brilliant if there's a train that goes where you want. Maybe we should suggest that to the mayor of Oxford. No, that's the next one. That's avoid business air travel where alternative options exist. <laughs> um, so yes, but, but of course, it's really important for him to go to the South Depends France. if you're Absolutely really important. busy and you yeah. have a lot on. And it was it's mm-hmm. just quicker that way. Okay. Yeah, but you can still stand and pose on the steps in front of the plane. Yes. For the photo. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, uh, reinforce the adoption of electric and more efficient vehicles, which I think is happening quite a lot. I don't think they can do much more than that already. No, not really. Not really. So there's 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 some good stuff there. There's some others which are brilliant if you live in in the middle of of, of Holland or somewhere where where there is an integrated public transport. Uh, system and and stuff works or or switzerland for example Mm. but there was very little about people's uh housing or office stuff because i mean i know they talked about reducing air conditioning usage where you can and stuff but if you're if you're asking people to work from home there is an offset of cost because it's either the fuel they use or the heating to keep the house warm which obviously at this time of year for us it starts to get a bit warmer, hopefully, hmm. <laughs> as it has done this week, and continues that, please, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> no more grace, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's uh, we do live in the UK. Yes, I, I think there's, there's a valid, very valid point there. These days, I, I actually have like heating bills and stuff mm. over the last two years, unlike before when I was never actually here. <laughs> Right, so I'm going to take us on to Volkswagen because they are one of the latest companies to say, my word, we did better than 2021 (laughs) with their uh, financial results, which is no surprise, as we know. Mm -hmm. Volkswagen, the the actual brand itself, not the group, Volkswagen sold 4.9 million vehicles in 2021, which was 8% fewer than 2020. However... Their operating profit rose by 451% to 2.5 billion euros. It's amazing what you can do when you um, when you decide to only make your most profitable vehicles, isn't it? It is. It is amazing. So you can click through on the link in the show notes to read a bit more about that. Obviously, the electrified vehicles were a big thing for them last year and they go on to talk about how uh, their over the air updates that's an amazing thing it went really well and we're very happy i think relieved is possibly closer to it than uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> than happy they're going to need it because this year's already proven should we say tricky yes per- politically as well as, as yes as well as logistically yep um so so yes in a very, very similar vein, Audi Group, that is not just Audi the brand, but also Bentley, Lamborghini, and Ducati. But not Bentley for the results. Oh, but not Bentley all the Bentley for the results. Bentley only joined Probably at Bent- the start of the year. 
Yes, yes, quite right. Sorry, I was just looking at the picture and forgetting that important fact. They have posted revenues of 53.1 billion euros. That's 44.51 billion pounds with a record operating profit of 4.61 billion euros. And that's despite global deliveries dipping by 5%. They're saying they've done it by being good with costs and having good residual values and also having having hedged on raw materials uh, quite successfully over the last couple of years. Uh, so they're not being hit by all the price rises now. Do you also think they benefited from, because you know, thinking of Lamborghini and Ducati, benefited mm. from people going, that was a close thing. I'm going to have some fun now. Definitely with Ducati, I'd say. Yeah. Lamborghini, mm, a bit less so. It takes to, You don't necessarily save up enough to do for a Lamborghini just, just by that. But I could see with certainly with, with many of the bike uh, companies, not just Ducati. I could I could see that being an an impact. The the what the heck? Look, we didn't go on holiday last year at all, etc. Uh, etc. Et so I've saved money. I've got a down payment on a on a bike. Yeah. Um. Let's go have fun. Yep. And and hopefully a bike little bit simpler than a car. So I don't know. Are they hit by the same chip shortages? There must be affected in there some must be way to, because there must be in, in, uh, there's got to be a, a quite a bit of computer wizardry going on dealing with engine yeah, but there's, flows there's, and all the rest of it. It's not going to be to the same extent of the safety tech, but the, it's just the safety tech and the entertainment tech. It tends to be a little bit less, a little bit less prominent uh, in, in a bike. You know, there's fewer fewer wireless G chargers, for example, uh, re- required. I think, although you can probably get a Honda Gold when yes, you have one. I was say. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so I, I imagine they're impacted a little bit less. I mean, that, that's if you know, uh, if you know, then then do get in touch uh, and, and and tell us. Yes, biking is way out of my comfort yes, zone. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> four, four wheels, please. It's, it's yes. <laughs> right, I am going to take us into the news of a nationwide police operation. And they were cracking down on catalytic converter thieves. They've made 30 arrests, visited in the region of 600 premises across the country. I think this is England. No, no it's across the UK. Sorry. It's across the UK. Because uh, they, it was a seven-day operation where they were targeting metal crime and money laundering. They have shut several uh, metal... Um, Scrap yards, scrappies. That's what he's trying to say politely. <laughs> Scrap metal yards. Uh, they have been closed down. Um, and as I said, 30 people were arrested as well. There was, I didn't realise, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realise there was 38,000 catalytic converters stolen in 2021. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all seen videos on social media where people have just pulled up, jumped out, got a reciprocating saw, Lent underneath, taken it off in the middle of the day, and then legged it. It's hmm. just the brazenness of it because they, the chances are of them getting caught very slim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this will hopefully bust up some of the rings and means that it's harder for anyone to move on these things, so then they stop it. Fingers crossed, because it is, it is not great. No. Next up. Godzilla is dead, everyone. Uh, well, not quite. Certainly in Europe. So uh, fewer chances of tsunamis and, and, and great big green lizards coming out of the sea. No, the Nissan GTR has been axed in Europe. Uh, it's been around for 13 years, believe it or not. 
essentially noise pollution, all the things that you would expect a 13-year-old car uh, to have issues with under new regulations. So noise regulations, crash emission and emission rules have been making it unviable in more and more markets. So as a result, they're just going to say no, no more European ones. Yep, that's a shame. Uh, yeah. That that is one of those cars that I really want to drive. All right. You know, the, do you? I presume you have certain cars that you just got. I just really want to try that. Yeah, I mean, get yes, I, yes, I do. This isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I I own the the very very closely related and essentially the body in white, um, or um, without the steroids, is that the my Infiniti G thirty seven coupe mm. was the same chassis, the same architecture, all, all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of like, okay, so it's going to be that with steroids, is it? And so it, it's not a car which has ever made me go, <laughs> Also, you know, I don't own a Staffy and, and I, I don't have a shaven head, so I don't qualify <laughs> as a potential GTR buyer. Wow. They are impressive, impressive things. Let's let's not get, get wrong. It is a flipping impressive car. It's just not one that floats my boat particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's cool that it's that it has existed. It's cool. It's been around for 13 years, yeah. to be perfectly honest. you know. That's, that's... And they've kept updating it throughout that. And and you get people like uh, Ian Litchfield at Litchfield Performance and stuff who were in there early. And, mm. you know, I've, I've conducted a podcast across the bonnet of an LM, was it LM3 spec one? <laughs> or but the bones of an LM3 spec one. And the rest of my audio recorder on the bonnet of it, yeah. You don't, don't do that too often. Um, so that's pretty cool. So, yeah, awesome. awesome. Awesome car. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Shame, but understandable that they can't keep shoehorning things in to make it still pass the tests. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's only so much you can do and it, especially when it's, it's, uh, it's drive by noise regulations really. Yeah. Uh, that come into force on the 1st of July. Although the, pardon me, uh, the, yeah that came into to force last year and that the next round of that has just made it untenable. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Yep. Yep. I think that's the end of the very brief first part. It is. News was yes, very, was very thin on the ground. I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen. Well, the thing is, if you look at what the date is, Andrew, there was lots, so many introductions and so much news coming up into the start to the middle of March. And this is a traditionally fallow period because this is after Geneva. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's been so many launches lately because everybody was on the, it was all, you know, three years ago when people started developing the car, they developed it with the Geneva show as the end point. <laughs> yes. There is no Geneva show, but it's still the end point. Lots and lots of new stuff coming out, but not a lot of news because then this is the point where where all the PR traditionally go and sort of sit in a darkened room and rock back and forth for a couple of weeks uh, to recover. Um, (laughs) But the news cycle still behaves as if there is actually a motor show. Uh, But anyway, that means uh, it's partway through that long-winded explanation, knowing I have plenty of time this week. Uh, It (laughs) leads me into Guilt Minute, of course. That quick break in the show where we ask for tabs of financial support to get the lights on, the hosting running. If you feel the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand that, 
then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, some of you do, so thank you as always, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes. Possibly friends and colleagues. You know, you can do if you, both. If you're it lucky enough to, to work in ex- a place such as it, that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be exclusive, you know. <laughs> right. Before we dig any more holes, I'm going to take us to WRC. And news that the FIA has reduced the penalty that is uh, handed out to teams where they miss stages due to the hybrid technology failing. Now, if you remember, the hybrid technology is supplied to them by one supplier who gives it to them and says, that's the tech. Don't fiddle with it. It'll do its hybridness. I'm not, I I think you might be paraphrasing slightly. Yes. It failed in the last race for Otanek to the point where he lost because the the previous penalty was 10 minutes per stage missed Hmm. over something the teams had no control of. And Optanic missed two stages and therefore wasn't even able to get back into the points. Yeah. The FIA have probably had their ears chewed off by all the teams involved and have now reduced that down to two minutes per stage. I imagine that mention has been made of this uh, by by all the teams, yes. Yes, because there were, who was it? Somebody had a problem. It might have been Elvin Evans on one of the rallies where his just came up and went, oh, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But it, but no, it didn't. It, it, there was no notification of it at all. It just there was no lighting or no indication that it was or was not working. And at that point, they had to stop because you don't know if it's about to fail or whether it's working yeah. or not. So through protocol, they had to stop, and that that lost him time. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can you can understand that people are a bit miffed that they lose ten minutes for something they they can't fiddle about with, and it's not. Yeah. It's not down to them, like not fitting a wheel or something. That's <laughs> it, it's it's completely different from it being something like a suspension failure, yeah. for example. Yeah, that's that's good news that they've listened so early into the season and they have made the changes so early in the season as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really sensible. That that's learning as you go along. You know, this is this is all new. So yeah, that that is part of the learning curve. I think. Yeah, because I mean, if they, it's so that the technology is still so new, and everybody is having, the teams are still having to learn a lot. But also, the company that supplies the technology is obviously furiously developing as they're going along and getting more and more data through real hard usage. I mean, it can't be anything better than having all these teams on a rally and getting that data back, compared to just having a few cars testing a few stages here and there. Yeah, it's a completely different kettle of fish, really, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And testing's always going to be different from, different from the real thing, not just in sort of volumes, but just the way you drive, I suppose. New, new car news. And there are a couple about. First one this week is the Mazda CX60. So the CX60 is a new large SUV which has gone on sale. It doesn't seem like anyone has driven it yet. It's just pure pure data and releases so far. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, what to say about it? It is bigger than a CX-5. 
and as a result, it does not retain the CX-5's svelte looks. How does that sound? No. It's more polite than saying it's like the CX-5's let itself go a bit on the burgers. I am reminded quite heavily of the BMW X3, particularly from the rear three-quarter angle. I had a little, uh, there's also a little bit of a whiff of uh, Jaguar F-Pace as well. Yeah, around uh, the front. That rear three quarters. But I don't think that that, the the white, the pictures of the white car that Mazda have released are very flattering at all. No. I think it's an awful color for any vehicle. It always makes it look big and bloated and terrible. So I'm kind of reserving, so whilst I'm sitting here being quite rude about it, uh, I'm also really... Uh, reserving judgment until I've seen it in the flesh. Now, this is the first of a set of large, larger Mazda SUVs mm. uh, that are going to sort of fill in at, at the top of the range, not all of them coming to Europe. So, for example, this is a CX-60. There is going to be a CX-80, which is a three-row SUV. Now, I suspect that that's going to replace the CX-9 outside of europe so that's a car that's sold certainly in north america possibly in japan i'm not sure if it's sold in asia that's going to be an even bigger as i say three-row suv yes i'm not sure how much they're going to zoom zoom i mean the cx9 is a good looking car by the way Mm. Um, it's big but it looks really smart Uh, and it's definitely still on on sale in the u.s whether or not you can get one being a different matter but but it it's it's there it's available and it costs from about uh $40,000 as well. Uh, this new this CX60 in Europe will cost from 43,950 pounds. There'll be three lines, exclusive line Homura and Takumi, and it will come with a couple of different plug-in hybrid powertrains. They essentially link the two and a half liter four cylinder petrol engine that we already know about, no doubt, running Skyactiv X with a 100 kilowatt electric motor and a 17.8 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, that'll give you 322 brake horsepower and 500 newton meters of the torques. So it's going to be quite powerful, uh, but it might well need it for the weight. Mm. So 39 miles of electric range, 42 when in the city, supposedly. There'll be a couple of packs, bits and pieces and stuff. Um, and obviously the the price goes up as the range goes up. Yep. Uh, Oh, by the way, uh, two new engines will come along that won't be plug-in hybrid. First will be a 3-litre straight-six petrol, second a 3.3-litre diesel, and they'll be 48-volt mild hybrids. (laughs) Right, I'll take us to Lotus then. Yes, I was about to say, your term is something a little bit more svelte, and dare I say, zoom-zoomy. Yes, the Lotus Emira. And thank you, Mark Tishaw, for putting in the pronunciation of the name in your article. Thank you so much. If everybody (laughs) from now on could do that with any names, that would be very helpful. It would definitely make life much easier for us us podcasters. Yes. Yes. So this is Lotus's first brand new series production model, it says in this Autocar article. And it is going to be a mid-engine, two-seat sports coupe, high-quality interior, and it will have the option of a four-cylinder turbo power engine or initially as well a 3.5-litre V6. The V6 is from Toyota, and the four-cylinder will be from Mercedes-AMG. Now, there is going to be the first edition, and you can buy that for... 
71995 now, after that's out the way, there will Sounds be all right the, to me, to be perfectly the honest. normal price one at starting out 59995 uh, And the idea is that this is direct competition with the Porsche 718 Cayman. Yes, I, I would take... Uh, I, I, yeah, well, I'd have either of those, but yeah, nice. I, I think it looks great. Uh, yes, I am very much minded of the Elise around the back with the, well, the line of the... Well, sort of the inbuilt spoiler and the lights and stuff. Family family resemblance is not not a bad thing, given no. that it does essentially replace the 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 Elise and the Exige. But the front the front end is is really new and hmm. striking, particularly yeah, like with those it. air vents in the in the bonnet. That if you were mischievous, would say it makes it look like someone dented it and just shoved it back down on the sides. But they are obviously clearly for aero reasons. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're like sort of nostrils, nacelles. Nacelles was that right? No, don't know. Uh, possibly not. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering how how poppy and bangy that two liter AMG uh, AMG unit is going to be. You know, given given the mapping it gets in some of the in in the A class, for example, mm. uh, that should be that should be quite interesting. I think. Yeah, I really like the look of it. It looks. It looks like a nice car to drive. It looks like a nice place to be. It looks, it looks like it sort of it does cross that that area between the Exige and the Evora uh, yeah. that was there before as as well. So that little bit more comfortable, you know, the interior is actually trimmed. For example, well, they they have said that they they've made this a, a more usable and they've put more technology and made it hmm. sort of nicer place to be in. Uh, on top of everything else. It does have a screen in the middle of the dashboard. Yes. I can imagine Lotus purists having a small paddy about that, given the fact that, you know, oh, is it is it heavier than a, than, than a radio cassette player, for example? <laughs> it's also got a, a ton of um, driver assistance tech in there as well, mm-hmm. uh, which you would expect these to. days for NCAP reasons. You, you and, just have and has to. been legislated in. As, as demanded. Pfft. Cannot wait to see one mm-hmm. and would be really intrigued to find out what it drives like. Uh, I imagine it'll be a little bit awesome. Yes. It is a Lotus after all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very good. I hope that is a massive success because this is the first Geely-backed one, isn't it? Mm, it is. Well, that's one of the reasons why it's turned changing to Mercedes, obviously, for the yeah. motor, because of the uh, that their sort of part ownership of Daimler. Yeah, because they're, they're aiming for, uh, according to this article, they're aiming for in the region of uh, 4,800 per year, whereas they were doing 1,400 to 1,600 Elise Exige and Devora models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's going to be, I imagine there's going to be a big push on marketing, actual availability of, of, of dealerships and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, gl- globally. No, no, but we probably won't see a huge change here in the UK, but I would imagine that that, that across the world there will be a, a significant increase in the number of places where you can actually go to buy one. I think so. A lunchtime read this week is a lunchtime watch. Last weekend was the Practical Classics Classic Car and Restoration Show 2022. Uh, which slips off the tongue, at the NEC in Birmingham. And the, as usual, pretty much the best summary videos of these come come from um, Ian Seabrook at Hobnut. Part one is out. I don't think part two. Oh, part two out? 
It it wasn't when I added it, but it no, might be tonight. No, it's, it's not out. It's not out yet. I think it might be tonight or tomorrow. So yes, part one is already out. Part two coming shortly, of his his sort of walk around and and look at stuff. So many many uh, Ford Corsairs and uh, singers and all sorts of stuff like that. And, and metros. Did you see all of the metros? Yes. <laughs> I always feel the classic car and restoration shows a bit like that. If you go to the M, the classic motor show in in what's it, October, November time, November, November, then it tends to be a little bit more, I don't know. It, it's a little bit more like classic and sports car or octane yeah, to an extent. Whereas obviously the practical classics restoration show is a bit more like practical classics. Mm. Um, so you, there does tend to be a sort of a, a bit of a difference. There tend to be fewer Aston Martins and more <laughs> MGs type of type mm. of thing going on. It isn't a dig. It's just it's a different segment of the classic car world. I think yeah. it's and and loads of people doing stuff on the stands as well. There's stands where people are doing stuff. So so clubs are like sort of rebuilding a, a vehicle over the course of the, the sort of three days of the show. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's restore this in three days. So, or get it running in three days and stuff. So there's lots of that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's just a bit different. I think it's possibly more dynamic. Yeah, I agree. Right. I'm going to take us to the list of the week. This is a good list. 30 weird and wonderful nineties concept cars. Alan. Yes. Is there any in here or is there one that you can pick that stands out more than the others? There are, am I allowed to mention a couple? Start with one. I'll give my one, and then you can go and mention a few. There were a lot of 1993 ones in here, which I have a soft spot for because they're all unveiled pretty much at the same motor show, and that, and I happened to be in hospital with that week's copy of Autocar and probably Autocar <laughs> and Motor at that point, and so I had poured over some of these, all the details for a long, long time. And some of them were kind of before digital, before the internet. So some of the pictures are quite hard to get hold of. That said, so I'm going to let you guess which ones those are when you go through. My actual favorite from these doesn't exist anymore. It got uh, it got caught in a sort of warehouse and storage facility fire. And it is the BMW E1. Okay. From 1982. Uh, electric BMW city car a three-seater from memory oh no it says four-seat hatchback i honestly thought it was a three-seater where the driver sat in the middle in the front but it is it, it is the the predecessor to the i3 in many many ways and sadly as i say sadly doesn't exist anymore but it was super lightweight it was super clever i didn't have a massive range but hey it was 1992 and it probably ran on lead acids or something but i think it's it's one of those kind of forgotten vehicles which is actually really important there we go that's the one that there are so many though i mean come on that that is such a nerd choice given what else is is available there <laughs> uh for me it's the uh renault raccoon is it because that's not one of the ones i would have chosen just so many others. I mean, the, uh, and and the thing is, it was a fantastic time for concept cars. Everyone had loads of money. Chrysler were doing amazing. Things. I was going to say, there's a, there's a ton of French oddities, and there's a ton mm. of Fords, and then there's mm. some Chryslers thrown in there as well. I mean, it's a wonderful mix. Ford and, and the group, you know, they were just doing doing crazy 
crazy stuff. Considering how bland their a lot of their cars were. Well, that was the thing. That was that that was the crazy thing. So you know they were doing, uh, they were doing so many bonkers cars. Ford was previewing edge design around this time. It was, and I'm not saying what with, but you'll know. It was, it was, you know, it, it was looking at Aston Martin and Lagonde. It was just staff. I mean, Lincoln under Jerry McGovern, I know, I know, I know, was was doing crazy stuff. I mean, oh, gee, yeah. Chrysler was churning them out. Not so much GM, to be perfectly honest, but... no. Yeah, and, and some of the Japanese brands as well. Just cool, just such cool stuff. I actually have lots of these, hundreds of photos of all these cars on a floppy disk somewhere. And, you know, the quality, you just could wouldn't even share them on Twitter these days. <laughs> but yeah, so I have a very soft spot for these because this was when I was at school and really, really pouring over the details of all these things. Mm-hmm. It's a very good list, everyone. Do click on the link in the show notes and you too can spend hours just going, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or that was mad. <laughs> or maybe both at the same time. <laughs> well, it definitely turns into a theme because, <laughs> and finally this week is, well, it's a combo. It, it's a combo. Really, it's it's all triggered by one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, the Tim Traveler, because he has done a video all about uh, the world's most bonkers bus, the Citirama Citroen 65. She's the crazy one that looks like a double-decker greenhouse with pointy bits. And the fact it's so recognizable, so different, yet there's so little documentation about it. There's also an accompanying article on Jalopnik by Mercedes Streeter. I had a small grumble about it last night on social media because I was like, well, I can't believe that this is a big thing on Jalopnik because they've covered this before and they've used it to illustrate loads of stuff. And sure enough, one of the first things she says is there's not a lot about it. One of the few articles there is is from us ten years ago. And it, it it's it's cool. It's it's just really worth uh, just watch the video, read the article. They're both cool. They both explain the challenges. Uh, and and if you know where one that supposedly still survives is do get in touch with Tim because he'd really like to go visit it uh, and and to find out more. But this is wonderfully French, yeah. just amazingly bonkers future bat. Clearly French. from a time magnifique, where, you know, where everything was a lot more optimistic. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's just about any time, really, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. It's it's just cool. This is you know the future yesterday type of thing. Love it. I I just always I just for some stupid reason it makes me think of Golga Frinchams, but there we are. That's just <laughs> it's just the arc thing with the glass and the dome and stuff. I don't know. Tim to, to me it just fits a fits with that um Douglas Adams description. Anyway. Anyway, enough enough of, of that kind of stuff. Uh what is there in parish notes? Oh, there is one correction. I said third Thursday of every month for the Tacoma meet. Oh yeah. When I was talking about it last week, uh, it was, uh, it was pointed out to me. It's actually the second because I can't count. Okay. So it's the second Sunday of every month. Um, right. But yeah, do 
keep keep an eye on the uh, to go on the social medias uh, to 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 find out what the right date is from someone who knows. <laughs> uh, other one is Andrew. Special edition came out last Friday. Yes, I talk. I talked to you about the Ionic Five I had for a week. <laughs> Things that I moaned at the PRs about, but then uh, I kept you on tender hooks all the way through. You weren't sure exactly how I felt about it. No, no, and I liked it, so it's it's uh, so so I was was very much on tender hooks about about it. Yes, and he doesn't moan too much about charging infrastructure. Good news, everyone. Yes, news. got that out of my system last time. Yeah. Yeah, and on all the other times in between which we weren't recording and I was listening to it as well. <laughs> Count yourselves lucky, everyone. Uh, yeah, let's not make too many promises right now. Anyway, everyone, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, in the meantime, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Now, Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally and discuss perhaps more Douglas Adams stuff, what's the best way for them to do that? The uh, best way to do that is definitely via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B R A D. L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back soon. I'm going to do that again. We'll be back soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. Tit. <laughs> 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 <laughs>